And welcome to Bags and Boards. Coming up on tonight's show, I sit down with D. Brad Talton from Level 99 Games, plus news, new releases, games on Kickstarter, and more. What have we been playing? What games have we picked up lately? Find out tonight on Bags and Boards. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Lance McFarland here with D. Clark. D, how's it going, my man? Doing well, Lance. I uh, went and checked out Disney's Moana. Oh, really? Yeah, that was pretty good. It was surprisingly good, actually. Did you go by yourself? Uh, went with a couple of friends. Okay, cool. So uh, there's been some pretty good wrestling lately. Yes, the, there has. The uh, pay-per-view. Did you watch the pay-per-view? I did. Roadblock. I've not watched anything after Roadblock, but I've watched everything up to Roadblock. It was all right. It was, new, so, it new was solid. New tag champions, pretty cool. Um, new women's champion, of course. Can't break that Charlotte pay-per-view streak. I thought it was kind of odd that Sasha Banks could hold out in the figure four for two minutes and not for two more seconds. Yes. Whoever came up with that idea is an idiot. Yeah, I agree. As a, yeah. as a person who is trained in, in certain forms of combat, if you have lasted that long... You're not going to tap with two seconds left yeah. on the clock. You're and just it, not going to do it. It's hard to book a good uh, Iron Man match, but they did not do it very well, I don't think. No, the I, match I didn't. itself was good. The like Iron Man parts of it right. weren't very good. I, I would agree with that. So anyway, if you're tuning in and you've, you're thinking, like, how did I stumble across this wrestling show? You didn't. <laughs> you stumbled across a board game show. And if you haven't heard Bags of Boards, Bags of Boards is a board game review and discussion show here on KXTR 100.7 The Planet covering everything in today's designer hobby board gaming world, we're on Twitter at Bags and Boards TX at Facebook.com slash Bags and Boards and at Bags and Boards TX at gmail.com. You can find all this info on our SoundCloud page at SoundCloud.com slash Bags and Boards, plus all of our past reviews and interviews and our RSS feed address, which allows you to add our show to your podcast catcher. And uh, if you want to listen to full episodes of Bags and Boards, those go up the next day right after the live show. So if you're listening to this live, and want to hear the rest of the show, check it out tomorrow, soundcloud.com slash bags and boards. So, today we're going to get on to the news. We've got a pretty cool interview coming up later on the show. I sat down for a good long while, for about 45 minutes, with D. Brad Talton Jr. He's the owner, president, operator of Level 99 Games, and also the designer of some some games I really love. One of my favorite games ever, the BattleCon series. Uh, Pixel Tactics, he designed Noir, Millennium Blades. Yes. He's a designer of a lot of great games. So, I got to sit down and talk to him about about, you know, not only his games and his Kickstarter projects, but also just his design philosophy and his publishing philosophy and things like that. D, we're going to get on to the news. We're going to cover a little bit of news before we get down to the uh, interview that I conducted. So Lookout Games has announced that they're going to be re-releasing Uwe Rosenberg's La Havre in 2017, and it's going to include all of the promo cards released today and the La Grande Homo expansion. Um, this is really exciting to me because I am a self-admitted cheapskate, Yeah, yeah. and this is an opportunity for me to pick up La Havre with the expansions and the promos all in one package, yeah, and it will almost certainly save me a little bit of money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Lahav obviously is a is a solid game. Oh yeah, um, very well reviewed. So if you don't have Lahav yet, here's a chance to pick up all of it at once. Yeah, and I, I got really lucky a couple of years ago at uh, Austin Board Game Bash and at the uh, flea market got Lahav and Agricola from one person at once for like thirty five dollars. Oh wow, that's amazing! Got both games for thirty five bucks. Is it me or They're is the there... old versions with no animeeples or it's all cubes? Right. But that doesn't bother me. No, it doesn't bother me at all. Is it me or has there been a focus recently, and by recently I mean in the last three months, six months maybe, um, of 
putting out these big boxes with expansions and the base game all together. Oh, yeah. It and seems that, like there's you know, been a lot of that recently. You've seen that, and we're about to talk about more of that in the news, actually. Yes. Uh, um, there has been, and, you know, for years now, you've had the Carcassonne big box. And right. Other big boxes, but it seems now that it's like big box, big box, big yes. box. And we talked last time, the uh, 10th anniversary Steffen Feld games. They're not calling them big boxes. But they're effectively big boxes. Yeah, they're they're even though they're not coming in a giant box, they're going to have the base game and all the expansions included. Exactly. Um, next up in the news, AEG has picked up the rights to release The Captain is Dead, originally released by The Game Crafter in 2014. Do you, do you know what The Game Crafter is? I have no idea, man. It's a website where you can go on and release your own game. Really? You use the pieces that they have available to put together your own game that you've designed. Okay. And essentially what you do is you make it available for sale on their website. You know what I mean? Right. Sorry for the phone, everybody. I'm turning it off right now. So uh, you make it available for release on their website, and people can go on and buy it. And some games are huge hits on there. And they're Hmm. just like, they make each one as they're ordered. So basically you make make your own uh, rule set and whatnot, and then you use their pieces to design the game and physically put it together. And then you just put the, I guess you would put a link up and people can go yep. on there and order it. And you can order one for yourself, so you have forever. And it, a lot of designers use it to make demo copies of games. Right. To pub, to shop it around to other publishers. Okay. So this was released through the Game Crafter in 2014 and is now going to come out from AEG in April 2017 with better components, better art probably. So players have realized their captain is dead and they have to now work together cooperatively to get the engines back online while uh, fighting aliens. Awesome. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Sounds like a good game. If, you like, if you're into cooperative games, this game got really solid reviews. So if you're into co-op games, it's got a cool premise, cool plot, right? Right. Yeah, co-op games. I'm a big fan of co-ops. Um, I know some people who are not. Yeah. Um, but this, the theme is solid, or solid as far as you know, getting my attention, and co-op is always good. Yeah, I'm interested. Cool. So uh, CasualGamingRevolution.com has released a constantly updating interactive map detailing all of the conventions happening in the United States in 2017. It's a amazing resource because they i mean from the tiniest conventions to the largest if you want to know something going on in your area go check it out and that's you'll, awesome you'll find a convention around you at least within a couple hours you know that's that's great yeah this is the best news i've heard today oh no it's, it's a really really cool map especially if you're like oh i'm gonna be going to this state on vacation you never know there might be something going on around you at that time absolutely you know i mean um, Real Grand Games is releasing Dominion Big Box in January, containing Dominion Second Edition and Dominion Intrigue Second Edition. So this is what's interesting, right? Like they're calling all these things big boxes, and the term big box is like shifting gears, right? Absolutely. So this has two games in it. You know, when you're talking about Carcassonne Big Box, it would have the base game and like five expansions. Uh, that's it for the news on Kickstarter right now. This is pretty crazy. Kingdom Death Monster, the 1.5, 1.5th. Edition okay. uh, is at $8.1 million of a $100,000 goal with 18 days to go, $250 to get in on the lowest level of the base game, and the lower levels uh, will get you upgrade kits if you have the original Kingdom Death Monster. This is one of those Kickstarters with giant miniatures, you know, 5, 6, 10-inch miniatures, and people love them, man. I can't do it, man. Yeah, I it's, can't not do really it. for, it's not for me either, but people go nuts for this stuff. I mean, $250, D. Eight point one million. How many copies? Uh, how many times is two hundred fifty going to eight point one million? I mean, obviously some of them are lower level upgrades, but yeah, you get my point. You know, many awesome games you could get for two hundred fifty dollars. A lot. Ameritrash All of them. or Euro or you know, the people who bought this. It's 
whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, go for it if this is what your deal is. But like, you could have bought all your Christmas presents. Yeah, with what <laughs> was spent on. Yeah. Anyway, I don't. So one point eight, uh, not one point eight million, eight point one million. Yes. So, I mean, to each their own. If if you got in on this, have fun by all means. I'm yeah. not trying to knock you. Um, it's supposed to be a pretty decent game if you're into like Ameritrashy stuff too. So if you if you're interested in at least just seeing the miniatures and stuff, go check it out. Yeah. Um, Kingdom Death Monster 1.5 Edition. Bags and Boards is brought to you by Game and Movie Traders. Buy, sell, and trade both new and used video games for any console, DVDs and Blu-rays, and comic books. They also feature a selection of board and card games, including Magic the Gathering and other collectible card games. They're located at 2900 West Washington Street, Suite 60, next to the movie theater, and can be reached by calling 965-GAME or online at facebook.com slash gameinmovietradersville. All right, D. so we're about to get into our interview with D. Brad Talton Jr., the president of Level 99 Games and the designer of Millennium Blades, the Battlecon series, and a whole lot more. We're going to talk to him right after this. KXTR 100.7 The Planet, the only station in Stephenville that plays Neon Trees. The Black Keys. And Green Day. Keep it tuned to the planet. Want to know what I like best about high school sports? I love watching my son run on the field. I love the fact that since he's been playing high school sports, he's making better decisions. And I love knowing that with the proper equipment, education, conditioning, and coaching, high school sports here in Texas are safer than ever before. And that's something I really love. This message presented by the Texas University Interscholastic League and the Texas High School Athletic Directors Association. All right, welcome back to Bags and Boards. Tonight we're here with D. Brad Talton, the man who is Level 99 Games, a president of Level 99 Games, and the designer of games like BattleCon. Uh, Devastation of Endines, War of Endines, Fate of Endines, and so much more. The game Millennium Blades, Pixel Tactics, and a whole lot more. Brad, thank you very much for coming on Bags and Boards tonight to talk about your games, your company, and board games as a whole. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Lance. Yeah, absolutely. We are excited to have you. We haven't had anyone on the show in a while, and I'm glad it's you. I've been a big fan of yours for a number of years, so I'm glad to talk to you. Brad, I wanted to start off by talking about you as a designer. Your biography on Board Game Geek says that you've been at least thinking and designing games um, since you were six years old. So tell us a little bit about your history with gaming and game design. Well, I have been uh, I've been playing games since I was very very young. Uh, I got my first Nintendo Entertainment System. I was about four years old, and um, I was always uh, always trying to play the next cool game that was coming out and. Um, a lot of times, uh, my parents didn't want to buy games because they were expensive even back then. Yeah. They were like $50, $40, even back then. And, uh, and you could beat them a lot faster, too. So, anyway, so my parents didn't always want to buy me a new game. And one of the things that my, my dad and my mom would tell me is, well, why don't you just go make your own with, like, you know, your crayons and your paper and stuff. And so I was like, fine, and I did. And, uh, and then they would play these games with me. And so that's sort of how I got a taste for designing games because if I made something and I put out all the put all the rules together and everything, then my parents would sit down and play it with me. And if the game uh, worked good and had a lot of fun, then 
you know, we had a good time. We played it for longer. And, uh, and that was the way that I, I spent a lot of time in my youth, uh, you know, getting to know and getting to, to hang out with my parents. So, um, so I guess that it was, uh, something I, I learned, you know, that was learned from a child wanting to, you know, to, to build, spend some time with his mom and dad. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So how did um, that translate? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, oh no, I was going to say, I got, I got to college and then I learned that like, uh, designer board games were a thing. And yeah. so I didn't even know that people made games for a living until much later on in my life. And then as soon as I, I realized that I said, Oh, I could, I could make something like this. And yeah. I started thinking more seriously about the publication and production side of it. Yeah. And so how did that translate, um, into say designing your first game? Like how did you come to form level 99 and what were some of the first titles that got you off the ground? Well, the opening title for Level 99 games was, uh, was Battlecon, uh, War of Indies was our first game. And um, I had been doing uh, video games on iPhone for a while. Okay. Uh, my work was as an, as an iPhone uh, contract programmer, and, uh, and I did a few apps professionally, and I did a few apps on my own. And then, um, the, uh, then Kickstarter started up, and I saw other companies doing board games on Kickstarter, like starting a brand new company with a board game, initial board game offering on Kickstarter. And, um, I saw Tasty Minstrel's Eminent Domain, um, their space deck building game. Yeah. And I said, well, I can do something like this. And so I got together all my artwork. I saved up and bought, you know, the art. I did the graphic design all myself and I put it up on Kickstarter and I said, you know, look guys, I've got this, uh, fighting, fighting card game. And, uh, if you think it's cool, back it. And, people did and we got to make it and uh and it it uh it reviewed well people enjoyed it and we got to do uh the second edition of that um uh, just last year we did the sequel the year before so it's been a um it's been our first major offering from level 99 games and one of our favorite uh favorite games ever uh from within the company yeah and i was telling you before the interview battlecon is uh it, it is one of my absolute favorite games and now i know it's indines not indines so i will i will make sure and say that. i'm not too particular yeah yeah i will (laughs) brad i'm from texas so i tend to put a little bit of a uh a a country flair on things so um but in battle of indines uh or devastation and war of indines and you also have fate of indines right Mm -hmm. yeah so all the battlecon games take place in this uh this same fantasy world and some of our other games take place there too the world of indines and uh There's uh, a lot of the Pixel Tactics characters come from there. Um, characters in Argent, the Consortium, come from there. Um, and it's uh, it's sort of a, uh, it's called a mage punk sort of setting. Yeah. Uh, there's magic, there's technology, there's uh, gothic horror. It's really kind of a mishmash of whatever you, you know, whatever you're looking for in a setting. Um, and so it lets people do a lot of uh, neat crossover stuff with uh, between different genres and with uh, very, very different styles of character design. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a really good representation of what a side-scrolling fighting game like Street Fighter or Tekken is like. And that's kind of been, we'll talk about Millennium Blades here in a second, that's kind of been one of your fortes, I guess, is taking another thing and doing the board game version of that. So what's that been like to kind of uh, distill concepts and other hobbies down down into a board game? Well, like, um, like I was saying earlier, it comes from my background in design, um, you know, doing, uh, doing adaptations of one medium to another. Um, so I started out doing video games as board games, 
way back when I was a kid. And uh, that's been sort of what's been my strongest suit is figuring out what makes a, you know, what makes a game click and then seeing how I can translate that to a new medium with new mechanics. And so, um, you know, with uh, I, I devised BattleCon after playing a fighting game called uh, Blaze Blue, which is um, one of those 2D fighters, got kind of an anime flair to it, and um, all the fighters had, um, you know, different ways of, different, very different ways of fighting. You know, characters have huge weapons or, you know, a lot of range attacks or every attack can hit from across the screen. You get a lot of variety, but ultimately, you know, a light punch and a heavy punch and a throw all sort of do the same the same basic function for these characters. And yeah. when I saw that the the function of the button was separate from its execution, um, then I devised sort of this styles and bases pairing that made Battlecon work. And so in Battlecon, you take um, a style card, which represents your character's unique fighting style and their way of doing things, and then you take a base, which is sort of uh, analogous to the, the button you'd press on the controller, the type of move, you know, heavy punch, throw, block, dodge, etc., and you pair those two things together and you get a unique attack that is completely original to your character. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, wh- what was it like having your first game? Because I wasn't aware that that was your first game. What was it like having that first game be so popular with people? I mean, was it surprising? Was it, I mean... Well, it wasn't, uh, I mean, Battletown wasn't an overnight success. Uh, it's okay. been out on the market for about four years. Yeah. And, um you know, in the the first year that it came out, we didn't sell a whole lot of it. We didn't print a whole lot of it either. Um, and so the game really sort of started when we did Devastation, the second um, the second uh, game in the series. Okay, that was our first really big box game, and it was our first game with you know with full production values, and and we could do everything we wanted to do. Um, and so I mean, we only made sixteen thousand dollars on the first Avalon game. Um, and I put in, uh, we put in a lot of my, my own and my, my wife's money to make that work. So it probably cost us about twice what we made on Kickstarter to actually produce and ship it. Okay. Um, but it, uh, it, it worked and people liked it. So we re- when we ran Devastation, the sequel, um, we actually ended up making $150,000 in uh, pledges for that game. And well, so that enabled us to do a much, yeah, much bigger and more exciting production with, uh, with Devastation. And it, Devastation remains our best-selling uh, game of all time really mm-hmm. huh that's interesting um and we'll talk about the uh um the production of your games here in a minute but i also wanted to talk about one of your newer games and brad this game has been a huge hit here in uh we are in stephenville texas and it's been a huge hit here in stephenville i mean more copies of this game have sold in the in the local game shop here in town than i think almost anything else that isn't say magic the gathering and that's millennium blades um so like I said, gamers here love the CCG gameplay mixed with the theme, and on top of everything else, the crazy meta game of actually playing the players of a collectible card game. So what was the inspiration behind this one, and uh, what were the challenges of distilling an entire culture? I mean, I mean, CCGs are a culture of their own, you know? So distilling that down into one, albeit very large, board game, well, it's uh, it was it was quite a challenge, and it took us about a year, probably about a year and a half, to really get the game into the position we wanted it to be, so that all the gameplay was done. Um, but um, it's uh, it was actually inspired by um, iOS games. Uh, have you if you've ever played? There's a lot of these, like the little trading card games that you can get on iOS, and 
you know, you, uh, you you play, and every so often you get a few coins, and you can open a pack, and the pack has a new character in it, and then you can put that character into your army, and you know, and level them up, and yeah. you know, so something track like them Hearthstone, and you get a five or... five star or six star character. Yeah, um, I would say Hearthstone. Hearthstone is is one example, but even more than that, like the uh, the Mobaji games, the okay. all the games that come out of Japan. Um, you know, um, I'm playing one right now called Final Fantasy uh, Exodus. Okay. Which is sort of the same thing, but you you collect a lot of these little these little characters, and they're sort of they're almost like trading cards in a sense, in that they you a lot of them you just have them to have them, and not because they're any good in a fight. But anyway, yeah, yeah. I was playing one of those, and I was you know I was opening like one of these these you know booster packs that they have, and I got you know a new character. And I was like, it was like you know this is really really poor from a gameplay standpoint, but it, it feels really good as a like I don't, on a human level to just open a open a pack and collect you know and get a thing and you get this new thing that you don't know what to expect or what's coming yeah and i i realized that what i really enjoyed was that feeling of opening the pack and i said well make, how can i make a game that is going to capture this element of of fun you know this element of fun of opening booster packs that nobody has really has really encapsulated in a board game yet yeah. and so I said, well, why don't I just make a board game about opening collectible trading card packs? And uh, that's sort of where the inspiration of Millennium Blade started. And uh, it was a long road from there. There were a lot of different things. We wanted to, you know, originally started as just kind of a deck builder where you got, where you didn't know what you were buying. Um, that's about as awful as it sounds. <laughs> yeah. So we eventually moved to getting the entire CCG experience into one game, from tournaments to trading to going to special events to um, having accessories and collectibles and, you know, building your collection uh, that you can show off to your friends and even just uh, meeting friends and, uh, you know, and working together with players to, um, you know, to win tournaments and stuff. Yeah. So it, uh, it's all, it sort of all grew out of that, that one thing. But as you're, as you're testing and you kind of get a feel of what people want, you sort of adapt your game to fill the niche that, uh, you know, of, of what people are looking for what your playtesters are looking for. Yeah. And I really, I, yeah. I designed a game for my playtesters. Okay. So if they're having fun, then I know that the rest of the, the, you know, the people that eventually get the final game will be having fun. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, it's been really popular here. I mean, the, the way the cards look like a booster pack and the stacks of money that you use to, I mean, kind of represent how much you can spend on a game like that. I mean, it does. Yeah. Really, I was really, really excited really to, well. to get the, money those money stacks in there yeah it's fun it's uh when once you get those things put together it's really it's a lot of fun um i i will say um you do and have a a penchant for say putting a lot of stuff in one box so where does that come from which it's something i love uh but what are the ideas behind packing games with so much material so i mean in millennium blades we have we have a just card more and more cards cards after cards after cards which is great i mean it gives it so much replayability and then in say BattleCon, we get a sign that says don't panic right there's, there's <laughs> yep. enough stuff in yep. this box you don't even have to open it all right now you can open some later and i mean also different modes of play in your game you also ha kind of have a knack for putting different modes of play in the game so that it's not just the one way you play the game. You can play it in many different ways. So tell us a little bit about that and uh, where you're coming from with those ideas. Well, a lot of this, um, a lot of the, the, 
the desire to put more and more content into a game comes from my own um, sort of philosophy of games. And uh, growing up playing video games, um, you know, you beat video games, and then they're finished, and then they're done. Yeah. And um, I, um, I sort of, I believe that the the real gameplay of a game exists somewhere between uh, discovery and mastery, because once you reach once you reach mastery, um, then it's effectively a sport, and the only thing left to do is play competitively to beat other people. Um, but when you are, but in the space between, you know, between learning it and solving it, that is where you you discover the play, you discover what the game has to offer. You are making new decisions. Um, you know, you are you are you're being drawn into the game's world. You haven't figured it out yet. But uh, and I know probably. Uh, you could you could attest to me too. Like with uh, sometimes you play a video game or you play a board game even, and you 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 learn it and you get really good at it and you keep playing it and all the thematics and all of the skills and abilities and everything else sorts seems to sort of fall away. You you understand oh I can't ever use this move because this move is strictly better. I can't ever play this character because this character is the better character. Yeah. There's not an impetus to discover anymore you're only playing to to win yeah and um i think at that point that what i what i love about a game is gone at that point i want to play and be discovering new stuff all the time so i try to include enough things that a player won't have to ever play the same game twice if they don't want to um and there's some excitement to playing for mastery but really um playing for for discovery and for experience is why i play games and so it's what I try to bake into my games when I'm building them. Yeah, and it really is great. I mean, in, say, Devastation of Indines, having having ways to play multiplayer and play cooperatively and play two-on-two. Because, two. I mean, that in that sense, it really does feel like a fighting game. Because if I'm playing something like Tekken or Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter, there are all those different modes of play in there. So, I mean, it really does help it to feel like what you're trying to make it feel like. Yeah, Smash Smash Brothers is a big inspiration for putting a bunch of modes and stuff in the box. They they always give you a ton when you when you pick up the game of Smash Brothers. Okay, awesome. So, uh, but um, it's it's a delicate balance. You got to be careful when you put a lot in because yeah. most players are only going to experience each bit of content one time, and so you have to keep your learning curve really low. And so so there's there's a delicate balance to it too, and that's where the the art of design comes into play. It's figuring out how much you can. How interesting you can make something without making it overwhelming. Okay, yeah, and have you found that also on another side of it, have you found that um, your the fans of your games want that extra material even though it may, say, drive a price point up or drive the uh, difficulty of learning the game up? Well, I think that um, that games are, are, you know, designer games at least are luxury goods. Yeah, so yeah, of course. The price, the price isn't really an issue for people. I mean, um, Obviously, we want to be reasonable so that people can can play the game, you know, and so people can get the game and play it without, you know, spending an arm and a leg. Um, as far as the learning curve, that's more where people are not willing to to uh, make um, what's the word uh, to make compromises. I mean, you have to because we don't want to spend a lot of time on learning a play mode and learning all the special rules for play mode if we're only going to play it once or twice. Um, and so you kind of have to to balance the expectation of how 
how deep am I going to master this game and how, um, you know, how much up or how much startup cost is there going to be to, you know, to even play it at all. Um, and so with a thing like, uh, like a boss mode, uh, you may only play it once or twice, so you want to keep the rules as simple as possible. Uh, that said, we try and keep them unique too. So a lot of it is in the way that you present things to players. And that's why we have the big don't panic thing when you yeah. open the box, because there is a lot of content, but we're trying to present it in such a way that the most important content and the content you're going to experience the most is very is very clear cut. And then all the special content that has little exceptions and extra rules is kind of cordoned off to the side, and you can take it bit by bit as you want it. Yeah, and I mean, also you guys have done a good job of if you find the battle con system interesting and you want to try it, but you don't want to go with that big box of all the different modes. And, um, even at that price, you do have fate of endines and war of endings and, you know, different versions to get in on any level you want to. And real quick, I wanted to let everybody know that Bags and Boards is brought to you by Game and Movie Traders. Game and Movie Traders, located at 2900 West Washington Street, next door to the movie theater, carries a selection of board and card games, including Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, and more. They also host groups and tournaments for all of these games, plus Dungeons and Dragons, Warhammer, and more. For more information, they can be reached at 965-GAME or at Facebook.com slash Game and Movie Traders S-Ville. We'll get back to more with Brad Talton right after this. Hey y'all, it's Keanu Perez, Mr. TSU, and you're listening to my station, KXTR 100.7 The Planet, the station that bleeds purple. All right, welcome back to Bags and Boards. If you're just joining us, we're sitting down with D. Brad Talton Jr., the president and owner of Level 99 Games and the designer of some of my favorite games like Millennium Blades and the Battlecon series. From the big boxes full of all kinds of things, we've got, um, over the years, you've released a line of smaller games like Noir and Pixel Tactics and Cell Swords and Resistor, which have kind of now formed a line of games called the Duelist Library, which includes a newer game of yours called Exceed, and I, I guess more games to come. So tell us about some of the upcoming games and when we can expect them. Uh, we are we're working on a lot of stuff these days. Um, our main uh, time investment right now, now that Millennium Blades is finished up, um, is on uh, BattleCon Online and Pitch Tactics Online. And we're trying to move into some digital offerings so that players can play our games you know, on mobile and against other players um, on the, at home. And... Um, you know, and save a little bit on the, uh, you know, the, the the dead tree editions that we make because yeah, yeah. uh, they're they're unwieldy and producing physical product is a bit messy. Um, so the video game video games have actually, you know, are actually a bit cheaper to produce even when you factor in all the extra art programming than producing, uh, you know, box tabletop editions. That said, box tabletop editions sell for a lot more than yeah. video games do, uh, especially indie video games, which is what we would be making. So it's a it's a fine balance, and we're trying to strike a a, a balance with both. But um, we're continuing to do what we call like maintenance releases. You know, we we do new BattleCon every year, we do new Pixel Tactics every year. We're going to be doing new characters for Exceed every year, and keeping those alive and keeping organized play going, um, and uh, you know, and serving all of our fans who are invested in those games. We're also trying to do some more big box games in the uh, in the vein of like Millennium Blades. We want to do uh, something else that's a big, exciting, 
you know, large box production with lots of stuff and lots of replayability in the box. And uh, the year before, we did Argent. This year, we did Millennium Blades. Uh, next year, we're working on a sort of uh, gothic horror adventure game called Seventh Cross, and it's in sort of this Castlevania slash Bloodborne slash, um, you know, uh, like uh, uh, Dark Souls sort of universe okay. uh, that we're working on. And uh, you'll get to see a couple of the characters from it in Exceed next season. But okay. it's, uh, it's going to be pretty cool, and it's been a lot of, it's been interesting because I'm developing it as a cooperative game, and yeah. that's a new territory for me. Yeah. Um, and are there going to be more on the smaller line of games? Um, are there going to be more in the Duelist library as well? We are working on um, on a couple a couple new titles. Um, we have a game called, uh, well, we have a Cellsword 2. This one's called Cellsword Olympus, and okay. it features uh, Greek-themed characters. And it's compatible with standalone with Cellswords 1. Okay. Um, we've just released um, a couple smaller box games that aren't Duelist. There are, there are more players. One is called Anansi and the Box of Stories, and it's uh, a trick-taking game that's based on the Anansi, the African spider tales. And you choose one of the, uh, the animals that feature in these stories, and you uh, use your different virtues and vices to, to trick and cajole the other players and try to become the, the cleverest of all by taking the most cards. And then we have another game called Tomb Trader that's coming out, and this is a negotiation game, and you are all fake archaeologists that have snuck into this tomb to, uh, to loot it as much, as, as much loot as you can and carry it back and sell it uh, back to society. Um, but the other players, uh, you're all, you, you are all there together, and so you have to basically make deals with the other players about what you're going to take back and what you're going to allow other people to take back. Um, and so you only have a minute or so to negotiate this before the tomb collapses and kills everybody. So you have to hurry up and make your deal and get out. Um, and so it's a very, very fun and fast-paced party-style negotiation game. Uh, really small. You can play it on, you know, like a cocktail table, um, which would be, which will make it really good for parties and such. Okay, awesome. So we're very excited to have, yeah, to have some larger player count games in our upcoming life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you just also had a Kickstarter, and you said you were going to kind of have a, a, a game releasing each year for some of your main lines. Uh, you just had a Kickstarter in for Trials of Endings, which is, I, I, it looked to be still taking like post-campaign pledges on Kickstarter. So what can we expect mm -hmm. from this set, and will it, when will it be in stores? Is it just going to be more characters or other content added? So Trials is going to, um, it's not going to add, it's going to add 10 new characters to the Battlecon line. So it's the same size as Fate. Uh, but we're doing a little bit um, to improve the presentation of the box. So it's not like lots and lots of content. It's more ephemeral things. Like the game comes with an art book in the box and it will come with top boxes for each of the different characters that store separately. Um, it'll come with uh, improved um, improved tokens and improved um, cards for a lot of the characters. Okay. So we're sort of trying to figure out how to, you know, we did all this stuff with, uh, with Battlecon, and we're trying to figure out sort of how to organize it all together into a something we can we can control a bit better. Yeah. So I said with, with Devastation, if I could do it all again, I would probably take out the bosses and the extra base types and the arenas and all that stuff and put those in a separate box and just give players the characters in the first box. Yeah. 
And that's sort of how we're handling uh, things with Trials and with Wanderers, which will be next year's, uh, or rather next next year's Battlecon game, Uh, because we're already testing two years out. Um, And uh, Trials trials and Wanderers, and then they will come with, when Wanderers comes out, will come with a, a, a extended edition, which will contain a bunch of these extra content. Uh, hopefully some new bosses, maybe some new uh, cooperative dungeon modes, uh, some of that sort of thing. Yeah. So, so we, we are still committed to all those modes, but we're thinking more about, you know, how do players, how do players want to receive this content? Because yeah. a lot of people were really overwhelmed by Devastation, or they wish they could have paid less and gotten all the characters for Devastation, and then got all the extra modes later. So, you know, a lot of that stuff is the, the business side and the maintaining the product line side of things, which is not not always the exciting game design stuff, but it's a very big part of the industry is figuring out how to structure your release schedule and how to structure the product in a way that, um, you know, that works for your fans. So you mentioned this a little earlier uh, that you guys are working on online implementations of Battlecon and also Pixel Tactics, did you say? Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell us a little bit about that. I really want to know about Battlecon Online. Um, I, I'm not a big video gamer, but if I could play Battlecon Online, I think I definitely would. When can we expect this, and will it be just kind of a video game port of the game, or are there going to be new features because uh, you're able to do it with digital? Well, I guess um, so. I should start off by answering your question with a with a cautionary tale. Sure. We kickstarted. <laughs> BattleCon Online, um, I want to say last uh, September. Okay. And so maybe, maybe even a little earlier than that. And we expected to release last December. And obviously, it's now December 2016. We are uh, we are over a year behind on this. Video games are a lot harder than uh, in terms of time commitment yeah. than board games. And so, you know, with our small team of programmers, we have and uh, an artist we are still um, in the process of putting it all together. The only release date that I'm announcing anymore is, is when it's finished. But um, we yeah. are we are getting very close here in the offices, and we okay. are um, planning to reopen our closed beta pretty soon. Okay. So players will be able to start playing it. Our target platforms are Mac, PC, iOS, and Android. Okay. And it will play it will play exactly like the tabletop battle con that you that you know and love. But it will um, cost. It will have some characters that aren't available uh, okay. because we can do things that the computer lets us do that the tabletop doesn't. Yeah, yeah. So, for example, there's one character that when he hits you with an attack, that attack permanently gets better. The numbers on the card change. Okay. And that's the sort of thing that you couldn't really do yeah. on a tabletop. Um, so we have some characters like that. Characters that do um, different things. And a few characters that we translated from the tabletop that will do things a little bit differently. Um, but that is, but it should, it should play pretty similar. We will have some special events. We're hoping to have single player adventures. We are hoping to, um, have some ranked play and, uh, you know, monthly, monthly ladders, stuff like that. And, um, there are lots of cool alternate costumes that you can get for your favorite characters. Okay. And it will be online, like being able to play against other players rather than AI. Mm Mm-hmm. That will be our, our launch version. We'll have quick match and hopefully ranked play online against other players. Okay, great. I am very excited about that. So with online implementations of games like you guys are doing, where do you see the future of the board game industry in relation to digital platforms? Because it seems like something that you've uh, adopted a bit 
I think that um, that technology will continue to get more involved. And um, with our games, they're pretty uniquely suited because a lot of um, a lot of the player or a lot of the games were inspired by video games. Yeah. It's easy to bring them back just with and keep the turn-based mechanics um, that we have. That said, the uh, the tactile nature of a tabletop game is something that you you simply can't replicate online. And so I think that the direction that we will go is more and more towards um, things like uh, there's a there's a platform now called Playtable that's coming up, and it's got a digital board surface, and it can scan and interact with your game pieces and your dice, and then it will you can play cards. You can actually hold the cards in your hand and move the pieces around on the board, but the board will change based on you know the uh, game state. So there's kind of a fusion of technology and uh, and tabletop components together. Yeah, I think that that is where we are we are going to be going is that we're going to see um, a lot of more of these things be um, becoming partially digitized. So we're going to see cyborg board games coming out uh, that are that are part technology and or part video game and part board game. And yeah. uh, I think it's going to be pretty cool. I, for one, am looking forward to it. So uh, I also wanted yeah. to see, aside from digital, Brad, have you noticed any other trends as either a designer or a publisher uh, this year or last year, recently, or that you may see that are coming in the future? Um, I think that the big trend right now that we're seeing is the the legacy game. Yeah. And these, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've talked about these before, about like Risk Legacy and um, now Seafall, yeah. um, you know, Pandemic Legacy. Um, and now there's a new one uh, called Forbidden Fruit that came out from Stronghold Games. Yeah. And that's a what they call a fable game, where the game is not actually consumed in the playing, but it does change in the playing. And um, the persistent the persistent narrative carrying over from one game to another is something that video games have done for a long time, but that board games have just recently adopted, and uh, RPGs have done it for a long time, yeah. too. And so it's sort of a mechanic that was always there, but was never like fully realized in the same way. Um, and I think that that is, you know, that's probably the biggest thing. And uh, I think every, I'd say about every five to 10 years, we have some really big innovation in the industry. Like uh, deck building was the really big thing yeah. back in, I want to say, you know, it was like six or so, yeah. or maybe, maybe a five. And then, um, and now, you know, uh, you know, 10 years later, we've got legacy. So we're probably going to be living with a lot of really good legacy games for about the next, you know, well, both good and bad, but a lot yeah, of legacy games nonetheless. Yeah, that's about true. the next uh, five, 10 years. And then we will see the next sort of uh, zeitgeist take over in board gaming. Yeah. Um, someday, I hope it's a game I invent that, yeah. that, uh, that makes that big shift. But uh, I don't know. I keep looking for that unique mechanic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, with uh, with Legacy, you've got, I, I think it's coming out in 2017 from Artana Games. It's uh, called Chronicles Origins, and it's actually kind of taking it to that next step where each game of a game doesn't just carry over, but Chronicles Origins is going to carry over to Chronicles whatever the next game is. Uh, I see. So now it's, now they've, they've implemented the, the Mass Effect mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, and I mean they're going to be cool. they're going to be completely different games. So this one might be a a cooperative game where you're building up uh, where you're building up characters in you know say the Ice Age, 
and then you take those uh, characters over into or those those types of people over into like the antiquity, you know, so. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely doing different things with it and with fabled fruit uh, from uh, Friedman Fries uh, doing something different with it as well. But yeah, that's kind of cool. Just like with Dominion in the uh, late aughts uh, doing deck building and then people take that in all different kinds of directions with games like paperback. And uh, I mean, you can do all kinds of different things with deck building now. So yeah, people doing that with uh, Legacy as well. Um, so I wanted to ask you, We've talked about you being both a designer and a publisher, but now also a uh, video game or digital game creator. Which of these three is kind of the most challenging and which takes up uh, the most of your time and energy? Well, they um, they all they all take up different, you know, different brain spaces. Yeah. Um, I would say that probably. um Probably running the, the, the company side of things is the, the most challenging because there's the most at stake. You know, if, you, if, you, if, a, if a particular game you design isn't very good or your digital implementation doesn't get finished on time, then, you know, that's, that's, that's not great. But if, you're, you know, if your business fails, then you kind of lose everything. So yeah. the, the business side is the part you have to be the most, uh, the most careful about and the most, pay the most attention to. But... Um, as far as the the side that I probably spend the most of my own brain power and time on, it's probably the board game development side. Really, um, that's that's what I do. Like after after five o'clock comes and I am off work, that's what I go and do. I work on the board games because that's what I really have a, a passion for. We're going to take a quick break, everybody, and when we come back, we'll be talking to Brad about all of the games he's been playing recently. But before we do that, I wanted to let everybody know that Circle A Skate Shop is inside Game and Movie Traders here in Stephenville next to the movie theater. They offer skateboards and longboards and carry accessories including trucks, wheels, skate videos, and more. Information at 965-GAME or by searching Circle A Skate Shop Stephenville on Facebook. I have an army. We have a Hulk. And we've got great music here on 100.7 KXDR The Planet. Watch it. Okay, so five tacos of cheese and a large soda. That's $10,012. Please drive around. Wait, 10000 what? It's obvious you're buzzed and driving. I've only had a few. I'm fine. Yeah, the food's 12 bucks, but getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Please drive around. Actually, just park and come in. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Bags and Boards. If you're just joining us, we are talking with D. Brad Talton Jr., the president and owner of Level 99 Games. So let's talk about games. Uh, Brad, I always like to talk with guests about uh, their favorite games. So aside from uh, things going on at Level 99, what are some of your favorite games and some titles that you've enjoyed maybe this year? So recently, I have the game I played the most of this year is probably Heroes of the Storm. Okay, uh, I haven't Blizzard. heard of that. Um, that is their mobile offering. Okay. Um, and I really, I've been, I've been working for a while to try and make a good mobile board game, but I have, I've not touched on it yet. And I think that there's, there's a lot of things that are intractable just by playing with nine other players that yeah. you can't translate to a board game. Um, you know, because once you're managing everybody yourself, then it's it's too much. It's just too much. Yeah. So 
the there's, there's it's a challenge it's certainly a challenge to, to try and bring that um i really enjoyed dark souls 3 um and that was a big inspiration for um for the game that i'm currently working on um i also have been playing darkest dungeon uh in a similar for similar reasons um are you familiar with darkest dungeon no i'm not really I'll be honest with okay. you. I'm, I'm not much of a. I, I don't know a lot about video games, uh, especially oh, okay. current video games. Myself, I, I honestly, Brad, don't even have a video game system at home. Ah, for shame! Well, I, I know. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. honestly, you've got a cell phone, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. There. Um, the uh, but um, played that. I played uh, the Darkest Dungeon is a game that's like. Uh, you have a party of adventurers, and you take them into this dungeon, and uh, terrible, terrible things happen to them. Okay. And uh, and sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't. But if they if they do come back, then they are changed by the experience, and they start to develop all sorts of quirks and uh, afflictions and stuff. And so part of it is, you know, how much am I going to push these guys before yeah. I bring them back? And um, you know, what do I also? What do I think I can I can get away with if I push them? You know, am I going to get that last bit of treasure and get out alive, or or am I going to have to go train a new a new group of uh, of uh, naive heroes to to go into the dungeon for me? Huh. Uh, it's a it's a very fun game, very very nice stylization on it. And um, it's uh it's on a like a larger console. You can play it on Steam, okay, uh, or any uh you can play it on. I'm playing it on PlayStation Four, but you can also get it on Steam, okay. Um. And that's the one I'd highly recommend. Cool. So, um, I played recently, uh, Seafall is what my gaming group is playing, and we get together every Monday to play through Seafall. Seafall is a legacy game from Cloud Hat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's about navigating the oceans and discovering, um, you know, discovering what's beyond the horizon. And what have uh, you thought about Seafall so far? So far. Um, because, I mean, it was one of those games that everybody was really, really excited about, and I think uh, based on a couple of, um, initial lackluster reviews. I, I, it kind of people just stopped talking about it. It felt like, but it's something I'm definitely still excited about. I think people were excited about the legacy and didn't necessarily think, oh, maybe I'm not a big 4X fan. You know, I think that you have to kind of approach default the same way you'd approach an RPG campaign. Yeah, in the sense that it doesn't matter if you if you win or lose that much um, because it's more about the larger narrative. Okay. Um, that said, the game, the game is not, um, it's not especially well balanced from like, from one session to another session. Like, you know, like one player might, uh, might do really well and in the game on turn three in one game. And then another game, we might be on like turn 15 before somebody finally manages to scratch out that last victory point they needed to end the game. Okay. You know, players who are behind get a, a way to catch up. Players that are ahead get some penalties. And so it balances out pretty well. Um, I guess the main most important thing is you have to play Seafall from an experiential standpoint and yeah. not from a, you know, it's a board game, play to win type yeah, yeah. point. Yeah, and I think it's Unexpected things will happen and people just get five VPs for no apparent reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, I, it's, just, it's just the nature of discovery. So really just like taking it in and not worrying about the uh, minutia yeah. of the game. Yeah, get get some friends that you that you think you could hang out with. Yeah, 15, seventeen times and plan to hang out for an hour and a half every week and play Seafall and it's it's great fun. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I would, I am, I'm definitely going to play Seafall at some point because I just want to see the continuation of Rob Davio as a designer of legacy games and just see where this one man is going to go with this concept that he created. Well, it's, it's pretty cool, but I mean, I don't think, uh, I mean, I guess what I'd say is, you know, Donald Zacharino didn't perfect the deck building game. He yeah. just created it. And often the, the innovators are not the people, the, the people who create a genre are not often the people who perfect it. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm also ready look, to see look someone out for else. The other do, ones too. I'm ready to see someone else do, uh, legacy as well because that chronicles origins game is also co-designed by rob davio mm-hmm. so yeah he's well, he, he's kind of the only one who's really done it at this point i'm sure there's some in development right now but uh really as far as the uh uh three that are out there it's uh really one person mm-hmm. yeah so uh yeah we'll, Brad, we'll see some more we'll it, see some more pretty soon i'm sure any other board games you've been playing or what are some of your favorites uh from uh years past Oh, man. Well, let's see. Um, I'll turn over here to my board game shelf. Take a look. Um, I'm looking forward to playing Feast of Odin. Oh, uh, probably going to try that tonight, actually. Very jealous. And it's a uh, it's another Uwe uh, uh, Rosenberg game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he makes those like Agricola and Caverna and, um, you know, uh, those sorts of, of uh, farming builder sort of games. That um, can be quite a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoy, um, I really enjoyed, uh, Summoner Wars. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, and Mage Wars. So like you, I play a lot of two players. Uh, mostly I just try and play as many new games as I can. Yeah. So I don't often stick around to, to really get really deep into one, but, uh, but I try and play as much as I can so that I have, you know, as many mechanics as possible at my disposal when I'm designing. Brad, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. Do you have anything um, on Kickstarter right now? Like we said, uh, Trials of Endings is still taking pledges, but is there anything currently on Kickstarter for you guys? Nothing particular that we are doing. We just finished up uh, Mega Man Pixel Tactics, actually. Okay. Um, and so that will probably be out in uh, early early 2017. So look for that. So was that uh, another partnership but- with uh, Jasco Games, kind of like Exceed was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a partnership with Jasco Games, and they uh, licensed Pixel Tactics from us and Mega Man from Capcom. And you know, I saw they have the, Cap- the Mega Man license, and I was like, Jason, we got to do Mega Man Pixel Tactics. It's a perfect fit. Yeah, let me make the game. And he said, All right, we'll do it. And so we did it, and it succeeded on Kickstarter, and it'll be coming out pretty soon. Um, so I hope you guys all check that out. Yeah. Um, as far as like our next big project, probably going to be the second season of Exceed, which will preview some characters from Seventh Cross, which are upcoming horror adventure game. So you'll be able to play, actually fight at some of these characters in the, uh, in the Exceed, in the Exceed season that we're working on. Yeah. And we didn't really get a chance to talk about Exceed, but it's, it's it, from what I've seen of it, it's pretty similar to, um, BattleCon. So tell us what the, uh, what the kind of similarities and differences there are and where, where the different focuses are going into both of those different lines. So BattleCon is, a, is very much a board game interpretation yeah. of the, uh, of the fighting game genre. So you have, um, uh, characters that have all sorts of wild specific subsystems and things going on. And there's a lot of different setups and there's a lot of calculation and watching what your opponent can do and playing around their moves. 
Um, whereas with Exceed, we wanted to take a different approach, and we wanted to start as a card game and do a card game adaption of okay. that genre. So um, Exceed starts from a deck of cards. You, you shuffle your deck, you put your guy on the table, and then you're ready to play. And you uh, draw cards, and you play cards, and move around the board, and mostly you are trying to get a feel for what your opponent is doing, but you don't really have to completely understand everything that's available to them, and in fact, um, you shouldn't. So I would say that uh, Exceed is more about the experience of the, of the fighting game genre, and Battlecon is more about the mechanics in the fighting game genre. And um, while they're not very different uh, thematically, they are very different in the like, uh, target, uh, target audience. Exceed we designed for Magic and uh, for Magic and other CCG players, and Battlecon we designed for board gamers. Okay. So similar, but not d- different games overall. Yeah, and uh, they have different in- inspirations as well. Um, yeah. Like the mechanics in Exceed were inspired by uh, Flash Duel, which is, uh, I think, not Flash Duel. Flash Duel was also inspired by a game called On Guard by okay. Rainer Nizia. So, uh, um, so On Guard inspired both Flash Duel and Exceed, and you can kind of see how the mechanics played out in both of those games. Um, whereas Battlecon is more inspired by um, a game called Ace of Aces and subsequent Lost World Battle Books by a, game, um, a guy named Alfred Lenardi okay. from, uh, from quite a while ago. And those were like uh, dogfighting games where you played as two planes dogfighting in World War One. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I've seen those for sure. Yeah, with the, little, with the grids at the bottom? Yeah. Yeah, so if you think about like that's the matrix behind that's part of the matrix behind Battlecon. Uh, you can see how it's the same idea, one v one combat, but it splits pretty drastically. Tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and Level Ninety Nine Games Online, and maybe get in contact with you. Yeah, well, um, we're at our website, uh, level ninety nine games dot com, l e v e l nine nine g a m e s dot com, and uh, you can always find us on Twitter at level ninety nine games and Tumblr and Facebook. We have a fan page as well. So I hope that you follow us and uh, keep up with what we're doing and play some games. All right. Thanks to D. Brad Talton Jr. from Level 99 Games for coming on the show and talking to us about all kinds of cool stuff. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to Bags and Boards. And Bags and Boards is brought to you by Game and Movie Traders, located at 2900 West Washington Street, next door to the movie theater. Game and Movie Traders does buy, sell, and trade for both used and new video games. They offer both new and classic video games for all systems, including PS4, Xbox One, as well as Nintendo, Sega Genesis, and all consoles in between. Information at 965game or at facebook.com slash gameandmovietraderssville. So, D, I'm gl- I hope everyone enjoyed the interview. Just want to say Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas, everybody. And we'll see you guys a few days after Christmas, a few days before New Year's. And we'll be talking about Lagrania, no Siesta the Dice game from Stronghold Games. And uh, until then, we'll see you guys next time. Be sure and go to our Twitter page at Bags and Boards TX, Facebook.com slash Bags and Boards, and SoundCloud.com slash Bags and Boards, where you can find all of our social media information. You can find this episode and any other episode of Bags and Boards, past reviews and interviews, all kinds of cool stuff over there. And, D, we'll see you guys next week. Happy holidays, everybody.